The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. If you haven't turned the show off yet, here's Brandon. Time to close the show. It leaves today. These conversations kill. Uh, thanks for another wonderful week on the show. Joining me again is the coolest, the raddest, the Danielle Sepulveres. <laughs> that would be me. Today we are discussing the 1994 music video for from Stone Temple Pilots for Vaseline. It was the second single from their massively successful over six times platinum album Purple. Uh, sandwiched between the singles Big Empty and Interstate Love Song. Uh, but this album was just like a banger. It included Lounge Fly, which was the MTV News theme. Right. Like, MTV News, you hear it? first um pretty penny and include were really popular off that one uh, i was number one on the billboard top 200 vaseline hit number one on the u.s main rock chart and number two on the alt rock chart we're not doing big empty that music video is just clips from the crow yeah i think scott wyland wasn't available to shoot a video for that one at the time so we got the two that they because it was a replacement late um so they got so I we're going to do a video with some substance from the same album of Big Empty from that era and sound of Stone Temple Pilots uh, with Vaseline. It's a song Scott Weiland says is about his constant cyclical nature of his drug addiction. And the line flies in the Vaseline. It comes from a misheard lyric of the Eagles where he thought they were saying as a kid life in the fast lane. He thought they were saying flies in the Vaseline. That which uh, is so funny because like, whom among us hasn't heard misheard a lyric as a kid and like operated our whole lives thinking that's what it was. I think my most ridiculous misheard lyric was um, the song from Flashdance. What a feeling Mm -hmm. Uh, Irene Cara. I was positive as a kid that she was saying, take your pants down and make it happen. (laughs) And I told my friends that, you know, I was like, Oh my God, do you know what she says in the song? She says, take your pants down and make it happen. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And so we all used to sing it that way. And then my friend called me one day and said that her mom was yelling at her because she was like dancing around a room, like playing and singing it. And her mom goes, what did you just say? And she was like, take your pants down and make it happen. That's what they say in the song. And her mom was like dying laughing, but also like yelling at her. She's like, that's not what she says. She says, take your passion and make it happen. And I, and she told me, and I was like, no, that's not right. And then I listened to it and I was like, Oh, maybe she is saying passion. Wow. <laughs> but now that I've told you, when you listen to it, you're going to hear pants down. It's my every morning on the way to work song. That's <laughs> how I get started. I, I once, I once had a friend, who swore up and down in Beastie Boys Intergalactic when it goes, another dimension, another dimension, that it was saying, I have an erection, and they were trying to sneak it through. And then if you listen, you can hear that. It's not, but you can hear it. You can hear it. And then uh, a couple, 
couple months ago on the show, I did a top 10 uh, soundtrack songs of the 90s episode, and the, everybody was pretty surprised that Seal's Kiss from a Rose wasn't on the grave. It was on the gray. I actually knew it was on the gray. Yeah. Although I never understood what the gray was, but because I, I had looked up the lyrics once like a long time ago and I was like, it's on the gray. And I actually thought it was a typo first. <laughs> and then I was like, it's on the gray. But I still used to sing it as grave because it sounds like grave to me. Right. So when people were like, did you know? And I was like, I did know, but I just sort of ignored that fact for like however many years. <laughs> I go with what I want. No thanks, Seal. So Stone Temple Pilots, you were a fan of Stone Temple Pilots that came out, and I was I was too. They were big for me. I liked them at first. I, I like I think I like Pearl Jam now better, but at, during the the moment, the era, I was all Stone Temple Pilots, and I get mad when they were called like like Dime Store Pearl Jam. Yeah, when they first came out, like they were like, great. Oh, they're different, but yeah, that was a, a different thing. Like Scott Weiland with his like Amish beard was something interesting yeah. when they first showed up. I was like, that guy though, he looks. I grew up. I'm in Indiana. Like I grew up, and I grew up in northern Indiana, and I went to like school with Amish kids. So I'm like, does he know what his beard he's wearing is like? I I go back and forth too on like what my favorite song is by Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. And I'd say Vaseline is probably in the top few. Like, it's a really good song. Mine Although, comes from I, Tiny Music. It's uh, Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart. Oh, okay. That was my, that was my favorite of theirs. Um, I mean, I have a soft spot for Plush, because I feel like mm-hmm. Plush was probably the first song of theirs I ever heard, because that was, what, the first album in, like, 1992? Yeah, yeah. The first one, yeah, it had Sex Type Thing was their first single, and then they had... Uh, Plush and Creep, and I think Wicked Garden might have uh, yeah, got a, was a single, but yeah, Plush and Creep were the big one. And Creep, kind of big, empty is kind of like a similar style as Creep, which was the lead yeah. single off this. So that might have been why they they did that. But I had Purple. I played the hell out of Purple. Yeah. Um, I had I had an STP shirt that I loved that I wore a lot. It was a red shirt, and it had the STP. Like little like the oil or whatever, and it had a stripe that? that went down because I stripes were big. My jeans had stripes down the sides back then. I love my nineties. Okay. I've always said I love my nineties jeans. The the mm-hmm. little little slight bell bottom resurgence having stripes down the side. I I'm not attached to like clothing <laughs> or anything. Um, I do like corduroy pants a lot. Um, I had a cool corduroy jacket in the nineties. I had two of them, but. Long gone, but yeah, I had a, I had a sticker on my car for STP. Uh, that that same sticker, that was, same logo that was there. Did not I? So I, I we sort of got into it uh, last time, but I didn't get to see them in concert ever as the whole unit uh, because I didn't when I was in high school. I didn't like travel the concerts because in Fort Wayne, where I grew up, we got a lot of these bands because they were big, but not like big enough to skip out on our city and we got like every every like i saw foo fighters like all the all the cool bands of the time came there as i'm like well they can come there they came while i was on like a spring break one year or something out of town and i didn't Uh get to go and Uh and then i just like then they had he was in and out of drugs and stuff so i never really got to see him they never came back then i went and saw them i can't remember how many years ago it was now i saw scott wyland in the wildabouts Oh my god! As an adult, which promised to play "Purple and Core" back to back, 
Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll see Scott Weiland, even though I think the DeLeo brothers are insanely talented guys yeah. um, just as much. And I think them, the whole band is together gels well. But so he, it was, he didn't come out for like two hours. Oh my God. And everybody's going crazy. And he finally comes out on stage and he is booed as he comes on stage. And it is, I've never seen anything like it. I had a friend left before the show even started. He's like, fuck it, I'm not leaving. That's true. Oh my so, God. Almost like he's a, a Yankee. Yeah. A Yankee stadium and didn't didn't get a hit up at the plate. Right. Well, he, he only played like half, half of Purple, half of Core, and a whole lot of covers. Oh. Whole lot of covers. Uh, I will say their Roadhouse Blues by the Doors was banging. It was great. Yeah. Um, but during songs, one of the best frontmen I've ever seen. He's got moves. He's he's pretty good at what he does. Between songs, holy crap, just ugly abomination. Like, and you can tell he's messing. He's like, he'd be like, yeah, uh, roses are red. Violets are blue. Why don't you just play me something? Oh and people are like, everybody's just like, what? And that was like between every song. And oh, like, no. And he'd take That's... forever. There'd be like a song, and then it'd be like 10 minutes, and then they play something else. Oh, my God. And, and then he died the next year. Oh, that so, is so sad. But like, I was like, wow, I'm checking this off the bucket list. Yeah. And it oh, is sad. So... But it I could see bad. when the music yeah, was playing, it yeah. was still there. But yeah, but well, because like in, in the video, like what you were just saying about him having, he has moves in the video for Vaseline. Oh, yeah, he like, feels yeah, the music. Like he's yeah. like strutting around with his cane, and he's just like he. You can't not watch him, even with his 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 weird mm-hmm. little beard and all that. But and his eyeliner, and he was so interesting, and he was so talented, and. I mean, and the band was great and that because and he wrote the song Vaseline, mm-hmm. like you were saying, like he those lyrics are about him dealing with addiction and feeling stuck. And I actually something I didn't know. I read that there were three versions of the video. There's like, yeah, like video X, video Y, video Z, but like they're all basically the same. They're just like in, cut differently. Yeah, like yep. the same mm-hmm. scenes, like starting in different spots or whatnot. Right. Pretty much. But I like the one I the one we watched. I can't think of a better way than when it hits than the what is it the, the Holland dancers do it like it's beautiful it's like unexpected yeah. and goes mm-hmm. with it it's awesome yeah. like I yes. love that There's there's some moments in it that that remind me watching it now cuz I'm trying to think now like I this this video would have come first um reminds me a little bit of uh Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun Oh yeah yeah there's um, there's that to it yeah because just because like there's a there's a couple of points in the video where something just seems like blown out size wise or like zoomed in and you're like oh this reminds me a little bit of like the weirdness of Black Hole Sun right um, you know it's a totally different song and color whatever but there's just like a couple of moments where you're like oh like the weirdness of this kind of reminds me of the weirdness of that right it's it's pretty trippy uh I, and I think there's a lot of it that look like could have been album covers of that time. Yeah. Like the Alice in Wonderland girl, like jumping backwards. That mm-hmm. could have been an album cover. That clown yeah. could have been an album cover. Mm-hmm. The dancers could have been an album. Like there's a yeah. lot of stuff here that feels like an album cover shoot. And then the band, 
there's a lot of like promo like could have been shots like the with them in the suits with the cane that could have been a thing them they're swimming by like an oil rig i think or something Mm -hmm. or yeah and that could have been a cover uh there's just so much like stuff here but like mentioned soundgarden stuff this guy kevin kerslock kerslake who directed Mm -hmm. this so he's like a alternative era like music video guy he did cherub rock by smashing pumpkins he did lithium and bloom and come as you are from nirvana he did Soundgarden videos glycerine by bush hey man nice shots uh brain sujated uh later hooks up with scott wyland again does velvet revolver videos uh but yeah and he did he shot interstate love song but he did not direct it Direct which okay. there's a there's incorporation of purple in both of those videos that i yes. like it's like it's kind of mm-hmm. nifty a little subtle like it's overt but it's subtle and it makes you think of the album yeah but yeah i i yeah this is a cool cool little video and just i don't know it's it's everything of its moments and then just wild on its own yeah um, i yeah which- i like the song's awesome. Should have opened the album. I don't know why Meat Plow opened. This has the yeah. little fade in, like the doom, do do right. And I was like, boom. And then Yeah, this is this would have been a great first song on the album. But what you were just saying reminds me like sums up 90s music videos for me on the whole, like 90s music videos were like art, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great 80s music videos, but also like that was when the medium was newer and you know, I still remember. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I still remember commercials for, I want my MTV, like to add them to like the, you know, the regular cable carrier because they were like a special channel that Mm -hmm. if you had basic cable, you didn't have MTV. And then I remember, you know, coming home from school and watching music videos and the, the rotation, I feel like when I was like a much younger kid, it was like a lot of Michael Jackson, and I honestly don't remember a lot of what else there was. Uh, well, that's, you know, New Kids on the Block. Um, Debbie Gibson. Yes, Debbie Gibson. And I'm trying to think what else. God, they, they well, played Madonna uh, all the time, too. And they played Video Killed the Radio Star all the time. And also it has to do with, like, you know, how old I was. But my my strongest memories of watching music videos start early 90s and go through like, you know, mm-hmm. to like leaving for college. And you would oh, get so excited when a new music video was coming out because MTV was where you would watch the premiere. Yeah, you came and, home from school and you watched music videos. Yes. And you'd be like, oh, my God, Mariah Carey's like debuting a new music video for her uh, for her new album. Um, and I, I remember being like enthralled by George Michael's freedom video oh. and his, cause he doesn't appear in it at all. And it's like the models and like that guy, that's sort of like a stand in for him and like the leather jacket. And I remember like reading later, like the whole song was sort of like an F you because he was like told to do something a certain way. And he was like, fuck that. Like, and <laughs> like made the video the way he wanted to make it. And it's like a, you know, a seven minute song and it's like an iconic music video and he never once shows himself in it. And I think it was something the time they, they wanted to like refine his image or whatever. And cause this was probably during like the changeover of him, like leaving like wham, which mm-hmm. was this sort of like happy go lucky, like duo pop duo. And right. Then he, name this solo artist 
he was probably hearing like a million different things about like what he should be doing or what his image should be. And I think, and one of the lyrics in the actual song says like something about the guys at MTV saying whatever, you know, and him not doing it. So I love that music video, but yeah, the, like watching Vaseline again reminded me of like just how good nineties music videos were. Like they were so interesting and artistic and like a big thing for me at that, at that age at the time is we would try to figure out what stuff meant because this is early stages of the internet. You couldn't go to Wikipedia. Mm, you go a lot on, of avant-garde stuff too. Yeah. Like we you couldn't go on it. Google and be like, what does this mean? Like, what do you, you know? And so you'd like study the lyrics and like watch the video for the 12th time. Right. And be like, like, what do you think this has to do with, you know, or, and you would just, you basically had to try and piece it together, like through your own, you know, limited knowledge of what you knew about the band and, Because I think even then, like, you didn't know so, so much about Scott Whelan's drug addiction. Like, I feel like you knew later in the 90s. It was around Tiny Music where it became a real big news issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, initially, like, you just sort of assumed, like, all musicians were on drugs of some sort. But, like, just because, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of permeates. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, it. yeah, it wasn't until later that it it was, like sort of more open about like who's struggling with addiction or like who's really struggling with addiction. And also they were, they were much more able, I think back then to, to hide things, you know, like publicists would come up with something and media outlets. Exhaustion. Checking in for exhaustion. Exhaustion and media outlets would back it up and, you Mm -hmm. know, and not question and no one would question it or share the press release rather than speculate the press release. Yeah, exactly. It was just like access journal, like, access journalism for musicians and and actors and whatnot so interesting how that's changed right tiny and the reason we found out about tiny music because it screwed up the whole release plan for that album i remember Um, that and then the so and then they had this weird period where the DeLeo brothers started a band called talk show with the drummer and then some new lead singer i I remember that i bought that album it was not good I think I bought it too. And I never, I don't think I ever even listened to it. <laughs> yeah. And then like Scott Weiland went solo after Tiny Music and did some one of it, like he wanted to do some Bowie type stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a real weird period where they fell off after Purple. It was just gigantic. Yeah. They were on top of the world. And Tiny Music wasn't, wasn't understood at the time. But I honestly, it's my, my favorite album of theirs because it's just different. They went in this weird way and then they go back to things in their next album but they were really exploring a bunch of different uh ideas and stuff rather than because they used a lot of led zeppelin influence in their first two albums but their their first three albums are probably you can't get more perfect uh, a trio in the 90s i mean pearls you can get vitalogy verses and 10 but um I really think Stone Temple Pilots sounded like who they were all along. Pearl Jam, I think 10 is like some exception to the rule of what Pearl Jam sounds like. Because if you get to verses, you start to see what they really sound like. Yeah. And if, if you see them in concert, Even Flow does not sound like Even Flow on that album. It's very much more closer to that. Interesting. So. Yeah, that's you're right. Like 10, 10 and Versus were very different. But both like Versus was like, I don't know, a lot more like slowed down songs, right? Because like versus a little bit like, more raw guitar sounding. It's a yeah. lot. I think I think the the thing with ten was it was a lot a lot of polish on them. 
Yes. And that's yeah. I agree. Yeah. You had, um, cause that was Jeremy and, um, Alive, uh, yes. Lise, yes. it's a, I mean, mm-hmm. top to bottom, it's flawless, but it, in terms of like a sound that you would pro- associate with, if you really knew the Pearl Jam, but I mean, a lot of people just know 10. That's right. And yes. they'll know the singles off the other ones, but you go to the other albums and they're a little bit, they're rock and stuff's a little bit more raw, mm-hmm. um, distorted mm-hmm. sounding. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and versus I like, I think a lot about like which one of those albums I like the best, but it's, it's hard. Cause like you said, they're, they're all different, but like really good. Mm-hmm. In and a I'll way. defend no code. I like no code quite a bit. You too. Do? Yeah. I remember Vitology came out and I, at the time, like everyone that I was friends with was like, Oh, it sucks. And I was like, no, I like it. Like, and I felt I was like defending it, even though I didn't like it as much as versus, mm-hmm. but Vitology was one of those ones that I felt like grew on me where like I, I didn't dislike it in the beginning, but I didn't love it. I liked it. And then like over time, like more and more of the songs on it, I was like, no, I actually really like Vitology. Nothing's cool in the moment. Then you go down the road and it's like, well, greatest rock albums of all time. Like Vitology's in there, you know, with the other two. Like, yeah, it's, and No Code wasn't liked at the time. And then now it's been like, one there, but yeah, exactly. there's one really bad track on No Code that hold, like holds it back. Like it's a Stone Gossard song uh, called mankind okay. and it's just yeah terrible and then they have this spoken word thing at the end that's kind of weak yeah. but that other than that i'd like those a lot of those songs are my favorites but there's there's a couple blemishes yeah but um, stone type of pilots <laughs> who got compared to pearl jam i did purple oh that is great Mm-hmm. That is great. I like it. Um, yeah, I wore this shirt because it felt very crow-like. Okay. And, and I you dressed and I for the. Purple. I appreciate that. And I did purple for purple, but yeah, God, Stone Temple Bad. You know, and uh, God, what was the video everyone loved because they loved Sarah Michelle Geller. She did Sour, oh, Sour Girl. Girl. Mm-hmm. Sour Girl, um, which I didn't even love as a song, but like yeah. it's it's the most popular things. song apparently. Yeah, it's like, like really? you watch the video and you're like, okay, maybe I do like the song because I like the video. I would say Interstate Love Song would probably be their most like, I feel like they're most known song, but their best selling and best charting single was Sour Girl. No way. I'm telling you, that's the power of Buffy the Vampire Slayer then. Probably. That's where music videos could push things to. Yeah. Uh, towards the end. That was, a, that was in the TRL era too. The original three albums didn't come out then. Uh, yeah. I don't, well, maybe Big Bang Baby. I think, I, I think Big Bang Baby I saw premiere on TRL. That might yeah, have been. That's, yeah. that's, it's surprising though. I definitely would have thought Interstate Love Song would have been the that's number the, one. The Stone Temple. Th- well, I probably yeah. going back now, it's a little more fondly looked on, but I kind of, I, I fell off with them after like four pretty much. Yeah. Um, they had some song called Days of the Week and I was like, yeah. I didn't care for it too much, but they're yeah. still going. They kicked Scott out. Uh, they got back together, kicked him out, got some guy and then they got the guy from Lincoln Park who also right. passed away and yeah. now they have another guy they've done like two or three albums with so but yeah I Vaseline awesome so like hard not to get into That's right. is it you isn't me search for things that you can't see mm-hmm. going blind out of reach I might have thought it was going blonde when I was a kid now I'm thinking <laughs> but it's blind but yeah I I forever purple great album someday down the road i'll probably talk about interstate love song on here because i'll hit up the stone temple pilots again and i will watch (laughs) there we go
All right. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, as always, for tuning in this week. It's been great. Uh, any new peeps that may have come along, hello. And I hope you stick around and go digging back. Danielle's got a uh, Working Girl episode you should listen to. It's really good. I got a lot of good comments about that conversation. That was awesome. So, Yay. so uh, Danielle Spovers, you are a favorite around here, and it's been a delight having you again. So before we head into the weekend, let people know where they can keep up with you. Okay. Well, happy weekend in advance to everyone, first of all. And you can find me on Twitter at LSEP, E-L-L-E-S-E-P. Also on Instagram, but I really just only post pictures of my dog. That's at Danielle Sep. So if you like pictures of a really cute dog, then you can follow me there. Otherwise, really not that exciting. More about the written word. So Twitter it is. And you can go to my website, daniellesep.com and read all of the things that I have written. If you'd like to buy my book, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and you can request it at your local indie store. It is called Losing It, the semi-scandalous story of an ex-virgin. Excellent. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. The show returns next week. But until then, always remember to keep the positivity in your online film chatter. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.